Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jared Causey, and you're listening to Causey's Conversations. Uh, this is the second episode of Causey's Conversations. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. We've only only done one episode so far, so if you can, uh, if you would like to, you can go back and listen to the first one. It's just a bit of an intro podcast episode, just where I talk a little bit about myself, and then just uh, basically talk about seminary, what this podcast is going to be about, and just some other things. And I did share a story about a young girl who was murdered uh, for her faith in Christ in the second century. So very, uh, very inspiring and encouraging story for believers today, I think, for us to, to remember and to glean from. So uh, today, though, we're going to be talking about something a, a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be talking about what is a Christian. And this is an important topic, I think, to talk about. Um, I highly recommend um, uh, having this discussion, not just here in this podcast world, if, if you would, um, but just also in your, in your circle. Um, this is an important topic, I think, because... A lot of people continue to use the the title as a as Christian. That you know they they claim to be a Christian. Um, organizations are claiming to be Christian organizations, but are they really Christian organizations historically? Um, as as a, a historical Christian perspective uh, perspective there, and that's something we're going to talk about today. Is what makes a Christian, and at what point does someone can we say is not a Christian? Uh, what um, what things would someone have to believe or not believe to kind of um, exempt themselves uh, from becoming from from being considered a Christian? Is there anything? I mean, can anyone just be considered a Christian? Um, that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Uh, what where's that line at? Um, some people choose to have this line uh, set at a very, very, very far uh, distance. Um, it's it's a wide distance. It's a, it's a, a lot of space. So anyone can be really a Christian for, for, uh, from a certain perspective. And they, they make that argument uh, quite a bit. And uh, I, I'm not you thinking of anyone in particular. I'm just in, in general there are there are more progressive or I should say liberal, Theologians or those that hold to a more theological, uh, liberal theological perspective, uh, especially than I do, and um, they would say that you know this is classified as a Christian, someone that, that just essentially believes that Jesus was maybe the Son of God or, or what have you. So um, you know, there's some different examples there. But anyway, um, why am I even asking this question? I, I mentioned it first. This is an important question to ask. Uh, to talk about with our friends and family members. Um, first off, uh, if you are a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, you need to have a firm grasp of your identity. You need to know what makes a Christian a Christian. What are the core um, aspects of your belief system? Um, and what what kind of differentiates you between uh, from you and, and someone that would not be a Christian? So that's number one. Uh, number two, Christians need to be able to spot the wolves. So in this day and age, I know we live in the 21st century. It's it's a long ways away from uh, the early church. I mean, that, that was 2,000 years ago. And when we read scripture, we read things like, you know, be, be on the lookout for, for 
wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, know who they are, especially pastors. Um, Paul encourages the pastors to, to watch the sh- for the sheep, um, protect them, um, and watch out for the wolves that are roaming around um, the field. So, um, you know, for someone, for, especially pastors, if you're going to pastor a church, uh, or if you're going to lead a church or a Bible study or a discipleship group or even a, you know, you're just going to disciple someone, which should be all Christians, hopefully. Um, if, if you're going to do that, you need to be able to tell if someone is a wolf, someone that's claimed to be a Christian, yet they um, distort the gospel either intentionally, um, uh, willfully, um, ignorantly, and they are causing um, either division in the body of Christ, or they are um, deceiving other people. You know, we're doing both. So you need to be able to spot those wolves there, so that you can protect the sheep. Um, and so that's important, I think, in my humble opinion. Uh, we need to be able to spot the wolves. Um, and I've heard people say, "Well, you know, we know who the wolves are." Well, if that was the case, then why do the wolves have such a a large following, and I, I, you know, I'm not going to mention any names right off the bat, but you know, you can tell, like, you know, there are a lot of people that follow the prosperity gospel preachers in today's age. Uh, if you don't know what the prosperity gospel it is, is it just means essentially that um, that God's plan for your life is to be happy, to be rich, uh, to, or not even rich, but just you know, to to be um, to to have a, an abundant abundant amount of wealth. Um, and to uh, be healthy, you know, that that's God's will for your life. That's a part of the gospel. That's a part of the gospel message. It's important. So it, it kind of adds, the prosperity gospel kind of, you know, it has Christ in, in the gospel picture for sure, but it kind of adds to, um, you know, basically Christ is a uh, means to an end, uh, not the end. Uh, he's not the end goal. He's not the, um, it's not who we look to uh, as our hope and, and Savior um, when all is, it's all said and done. Um, I mean, essentially, you're trying, you're getting to, you're trying to get to riches. You're trying to get to a healthy life. You're trying to get to prosperity through Christ, um, that, that he is your way to those things that you ultimately want to pursue. Um, however, that's not the gospel, um, and uh, we'll uh, maybe talk a little bit about that later on. Um, so third, uh, Christians need to be able to discern the truth of their own belief from what is not true. You need to be able to discern, you know, in your own life, what is true about the gospel. Do you believe something, um, is something, in it, do you have a theological belief, or is there something that you practice that is contrary to the gospel message? Um, we need to be able to discern that of our own life. And then also for others, um, I mean, I know that it's, it's uh, hard sometimes to talk to others about maybe a theological issue that they have, but it's still important for brothers and, sister in, and sisters in Christ to look to others and to be able to, if someone is in serious error, um, possibly um, error to the extent that, that it it really um, it goes against the gospel message. It's good to be able to know those things so that we can warn them, that we can help them and lovingly bring them back to the gospel. Um, those are all important things, and I don't think we need to just you know kind of ask this question and like, "What's well, a Christian?" and just go on with our life. We need to be very, um, uh, very adamant about um, understanding this, the answer to this question, what we really believe, and so. 
from here on out, I'm going to give you a little bit about what I believe, what I believe um, makes a Christian. What is a Christian? Um, and I'm going to go from there, and, and, and essentially I will. Um, I'll, I'm going to do that from my own perspective, but you, the listener, hopefully through this, that you will follow along and think, okay, do I agree with that? Is this a Christian? Does this make up a Christian? Is this essential to the faith? Or and if I miss something, okay, what would you add to that that I missed? Or if you know I say something that you don't agree with, what would you take away from this? Like, we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But someone that believes the gospel, um, they have to repent of their sin. Uh, they have to make a willful uh, decision to to say no to their sin, to have a strong distaste for it, and say, "I'm tired of my sin. I don't want to sin anymore. I need Christ. I need to look upon Him and follow Him." Um, and say, for example, you, you disagree that repentance is, is a part of the gospel message, then, then um, why do you believe that? On what biblical basis do you believe that? So, and I'll, I'll give um, some of my reasonings uh, as well. So, anyway, um, first off, though, before we get into um, like exactly what is a Christian, um, I'm going to, um, real quick... Uh, talk a little bit about the history of the Christian name, uh, that title specifically. What, what, um, where did that term come from? Where did that name come from? On um, Acts 11, uh, 26, um, it, we see the first title of Christian um, being given to the disciples of Christ uh, in Antioch. That we see that there, um, Paul was there, Barnabas, the, a lot of early church leaders. I mean apostolic leaders, um, the apostles, they were there, you know, they, it was ground, um, ground zero, essentially, in, in Christianity, I mean, this was the beginning, almost, I mean, not quite the beginning, the, the, the beginning was essentially Pentecost, um, some would say, was the beginning of the church, um, that's another, another discussion, <laughs> but, um, and so, we see that the Christians, um, they got their name at that point, and it was used in more of a derogatory way, it was more of a mocking, uh, kind of a mocking term, it wasn't supposed to be a compliment, but the Christians kind of just, you know, I guess they accepted it, um, eventually, and just things, it got caught, it kind of, um, it just kind of stuck, I guess. I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but it just eventually, it just kind of, as time went on, it stuck, that term there. Um, and also, you know, something you know important to, to realize about the early church is that, you know, they were so close to, you know, the point in time where Jesus was not, um, he didn't die, he did not rise again. Um, at, at that point. So like, for example, John, the Apostle John, um, the disciple, the beloved disciple there, he, you know, was old enough. To, I mean, he remembers life before Christ. He remembers BC, essentially. And so, you know, for them, uh, before Christ, I mean, it was all Judaism. I mean, it was, you know, it was Old Testament, follow the law, um, depending on your kind of your theological perspective in Judaism um, back then. I mean, I, we don't know exactly what they believed before Jesus uh, per se, but we know that, for example, Paul was a very strict Pharisee. So when they became Christians um, or followers of Christ, essentially, they weren't looking at 
them as a, you know, oh, we're following a new religion. You know, we have a new religion here. They were looking at it as a kind of the, the true continuation of Judaism. Like, this is the fulfillment of all the promises foretold in the Old Testament. So, you know, they didn't look at themselves as, as such, um, as oh, a new new religion. You know, it, that's not how it was. So that's kind of a, an interesting thing to, to think about there, that they weren't really looking at themselves as a new religion as, as a whole. So when people say Jesus... Um, he didn't ever use the term Christian, or he didn't ever, you know, he wasn't intending to start a new religion. Um, I mean, that's kind of true in a way. I mean, no, he didn't, like, bring up the term Christian, the title. Uh, what he, you know, was saying, you know, obviously his message was that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. He is the Lamb that was going to be slain, for, excuse me, for the world. So, um, Jesus was essentially the fulfillment of the true religion. Um, I mean, that being Judaism at the time. Now, you know, as time went on, um, that title of Judaism went away and, and Christianity became the title there. But it's always been Christian. Um, uh, it, it's, it's always been Christian uh, since the early church there, and it continues to be the title that we use today. So titles, people, you know, talk about terms and titles and stuff. Are they important? I mean, obviously they are important because it kind of communicates, you know, kind of what you believe in, in, in terms of theology, in terms of religion. Um, that, that's kind of what kind of almost explains what you believe. If, you know, someone says, hey, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, you know, hopefully the person asking you can understand what kind of um, kind of a starting point of what you believe. Um so speaking of that, what what makes a Christian? What what is a Christian? What makes a Christian a Christian? And, and kind of what separates the Christians from the non-Christians? Even those that claim Christianity um, are the, there are those that you know maybe would say they're Christians, but they're actually not. Um, before we get started, I'm going to read a few. Um, I'm going to read a few comments here on Facebook um, that I received. Um, a true Christian. One person said, "A true Christian is is one who." has been bought, cleansed, and sealed by God's gracious decree, and now reveres, fears, and obeys Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior King. Very good. That's awesome. That a true Christian is someone who's been bought by Christ, and essentially being bought, being cleansed of their sin, and the Holy Spirit seals them until uh, the day of uh, salvation, uh, the, the complete salvation. So essentially the end times, you know, that, that's what we've been sealed for, is, is for that day of, of the second coming of Christ. And now as a Christian, being bought, cleansed, and sealed by God's gracious decree, um, we are now able to live a godly life, a life, not just a lifestyle, but a godly life. We're able to live a holy life because we are sealed, because we are made holy, um, we can live a sanctifying life. Um, I'm going to read one more here. Um, uh, someone who has faith that Christ is Lord, that he died and rose again. Someone who confesses their sinfulness and need for Christ's redemption. Someone who's indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That's really good. So someone, um, essentially, they have faith in Christ. That Christ is Lord, that he died and rose again. Very important. We're going to talk about that later. Um, and then someone who confesses their sinfulness and need for Christ's redemption. So the per, a Christian has to understand that they are sinful, that they are broken, that they need a Savior. Um, before you can be saved uh, as a Christian, um, you have to know that you're lost. You know, that's, that's essential. 
Um, and then someone who's indwelled by the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit enters into you upon regeneration, um, and obviously, like I said earlier, seals you, um, uh, seals your, uh, essentially seals you for um, that day of redemption um, in the eschaton or in, in the end uh, in times there. So that's a few feedback um, uh, comments there. Those were really good. There were a few more there. I'm gonna. But for time's sake, we're going to move along here. Uh, thank you all for, for responding to that, that post I made on, on Facebook. Um, so what is a Christian? This is kind of, um, this is where I'll be, um, from my perspective, what I believe makes up a Christian. Um, I like to start in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Um, Paul is encouraging the church of Corinth and reminding them of the gospel that that, that saved them, but also the, the salvation by which they are standing in, the gospel that they're standing in. This is essential to being a Christian. This is the, the centerpiece of their of their faith. Um, so he says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So this is of first importance. So this is the most important thing. First off, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Okay? So Christ died. So a Christian has to believe that Christ died. But not only died, but died for our sins. So he was a substitute in our place for our sin. Okay? Now you might think that's a controversial statement, but a lot of people, in fact, deny, kind of deny that, that, that Christ didn't really die for our sin. He was kind of a moral example you know, what have you. There's, there are different theories of the atonement there, but essentially, I mean, to be a Christian, uh, to believe in the gospel, you have to believe that Christ died for our sin. Uh, verse 4, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. So you have to believe not only that he died for our sin, but that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. So three days later, he, he raised. So, I mean, if you believe that Jesus is still dead, then you really, you can't have much confidence in that Savior. He's he's dead. He's he's done. His life is over. Um, the 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 end has come. I mean, it's it's over with. You know, the game is over. Fourth quarter, um, the very last second of the clock is uh, expired. Uh, it's done. So, you know, you have to believe as a Christian that Christ actually uh, rose again. That He actually was raised to life on the third day out of the tomb. Um, and then not only that, but that he also, he actually went to uh, the disciples, he went to the apostles, he went to uh, many other people. It says over 500 people, uh, Paul says, and, and then lastly, to Paul himself, he says. So all of this to say, um, and I'm kind of kind of going through this quickly because for time's sake, but I want to be clear that, that being a Christian, it starts here, that you have to believe that Christ died, that he died for our sin, buried, rose again on the third day, and he appeared to uh, people uh, afterwards. So um, there at the end of each statement, it says, in accordance with the scriptures. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about this, this kind of this, um, I guess it's a um, theme or kind of, a, I don't know what you would call it. It's just something that, that it's a, belief that is kind of a fear coming into the church a little bit. It's that the scriptures aren't really important or that our salvation or our faith or our, our, our religion, uh, our belief system is not built upon the foundation of scripture. 
I would completely reject that. The only reason we know about the gospel is because of the scriptures. Okay, we are saved by grace through faith, through the means of the preaching of the word of God. The preaching of the gospel through the word of God. I mean, so we are saved by the word. I mean, scripture says that. I don't have the, the reference, but it does say that, that we are saved by the word, through the word. So, and then it says here, in accordance with the scriptures. So, I mean, all these things that have taken place are in accordance with the scriptures. The foundation of all these things are the scriptures. We, we, have, to be, we have to be confident um, in, in, our, in our faith, in our belief system, um, and, and we can't, we cannot run from questions. I know scripture has some, there's some details in there that might make us squirm a little bit, might scare us a little bit. We have to answer those questions and we can. However, um, we shouldn't hold on to our beliefs to the extent where we throw out the scriptures uh, to avoid those questions or to, to be able to answer those questions or to reconcile that. Because there's a, you know, there are people that say, well, we don't really need the scriptures to verify that the resurrection happened or whatever. But how do you know the re what the resurrection means if not for the scriptures? How do you know what, who Christ is, why he died? Um, why, how, how are you going to, all that you will not know, you will not be able to understand without the scriptures. So, yes, if, if you say that the scripture not, are not necessary for our salvation in, insofar, as, um, as, as insofar as the foundation of our faith, where the gospel comes from, um, us receiving the gospel from the scriptures, if you don't believe that that's not necessary, we don't really need the scriptures, it's just a historical event, as long as we believe in that historical event, we're good, um, I, would, I would fear that you are going down a the wrong path there. I'm not saying you're not a Christian anymore. I'm not going to say that, but this still like that's that's pretty um, that's pretty bad. Um, it, it's it's not a very good thought process. Um, the scriptures are our foundation, and they are vital to our Christian life. So I know it's a little bit of a kind of a, a rabbit trail, but it it really is important. To believe that the gospel, that the the message of the gospel is rooted in Scripture, okay? It is rooted directly in Scripture. Scripture is the foundation of our life, and if it's not, then what is our foundation? By what standard do we believe in all of these things? Um, so, just a bit of a side note there. It's important, I think, to root the gospel um, in um, a passage like First Corinthians fifteen. Um, so, so that's one part, I think one big chunk of, of what the gospel is. Um, another part of, 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 uh, the gospel, I believe, um, is not necessarily, you know, it, the part of the gospel insofar as it being a part of what we believe, but how we believe. So what I mean by that is, so someone that comes to faith in Christ, if, or uh, they're they're attaining salvation. If they attain or attempt to attain salvation in Christ by faith and works, so that for example they believe. Say you have someone that believes that if they just go to church and have faith in that, like you know I'm having faith and I'm going to church, I'm doing all of these things and I'm I'm working my way to God, um, I'm I'm attaining righteousness 
uh, from God through that means of, of going to church, then then I would say that that's not the gospel. Um, that's adding to the gospel, which is a complete deviation from the gospel. So therefore, because you are deviating from the central gospel, you have um, deviated from what becomes a Christian. Uh, you are adding works to your salvation, um, the salvation process, um, justification, uh, essentially. So you're, you're, you're adding to that justification, how you're justified, and I would say you're de deviating. Someone that believes that we are saved by faith and works, um, you are deviating from the gospel. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier, but repenting of sin, that's also very, very important. When, when we are regenerated, we believe in Christ. Uh, not only do we believe in Christ, but we also have a, a distinct understanding that we are coming to Christ because we need a Savior. We recognize that we need a Savior. We have no hope without Christ. We need Christ. And therefore, as a result of that, we recognize that our sin is distasteful to not only God, but um, hopefully to us now. And we hate it, essentially. And we are completely transformed by the gospel. And we just want to leave it behind. We, we just we want to throw it away. Not that you will completely, you know, just become perfect overnight, but that you will have a distinct understanding and will to turn from your sin, to say no to that sin. Now, part of of repenting, wanting to re knowing to repent to sin, is also to have a kind of an assumption that there is that God has um, wrath for for sinners. Scripture is clear about this. Those that that do not know Christ, that are not saved by Christ, that they will die in their sin, and that they will face the wrath of God on Judgment Day at the end. So if that's the case, then that God has wrath, that almost it's almost assuming you have to believe in hell. Uh, now, I know there is one category of, a, of that system, uh, or a, a not believing in hell. There are some that, you know, they're annihilationists, essentially someone that believes that we, um, if you're not in Christ, that you essentially, when you die, you, your, your soul kind of just burns up and burns out, and you're, it's destroyed, essentially. Um, I would say that that's, um, I wouldn't agree with that, obviously. Um, but, I mean, if you're an annihilationist, that's one thing. Um, but if you are a universalist and you just say, well, you know, there's really no need for the gospel, there's really no need um, for God's saving grace through Christ Jesus. Uh, to get to the Father, to get to heaven, um, then I would say that goes out of bounds of the Christian. What a Christian is, so someone that says, "Well, all roads lead to God," but there are many ways to God. That's outside Christian orthodoxy. Um, universalism is not a part of the gospel, um, not a part of the Christian faith. I would reject that uh, because it assumes that there is no, there is uh, there Christ, his uh, his death, his uh, resurrection is not necessary. Okay. So um, the atonement, this is an important part of this. You know, we've talked a little bit about the atonement, very a little bit. But for someone to believe in the gospel, the Christian gospel, you have to have at least a basic understanding of the atonement, that Christ died for our sin, that he faced the full wrath of God for that sin upon himself. He died. He literally took the wrath that God was going to pour out on us on himself. Okay, that's um, that's essentially penal substitutionary atonement. There's more to it than that. That's kind of a basic level understanding of it. If you don't at least believe that or have a very basic understanding of that, then I think that 
that also would limit, I would, I would argue that that's, that would exclude you from the Christian faith. Um, to believe in the gospel is to believe that you are being saved from the wrath of God by the, his son, Jesus. Um, that instead of him, Christ facing the wrath, uh, instead of you facing the wrath of God, I'm sorry, you uh, facing the wrath of God, it's now Jesus that faced the wrath of God. Now, some would argue, oh, that's not, that's, you know, that's, PSA is a new uh, theory, and, and um, I would say that maybe the term PSA, penal substitutionary atonement, is a new thing, but the concept of penal substitutionary atonement has, has, is, goes all the way back to the apostles. I would reject that. In readings of church history, uh, fathers, um, those that, that you know lived in the early church and preached in the early church, I mean, it, it, it seems like they also believed in that concept as well, even though they didn't define it like we do. Um, so I reject that wholeheartedly. Um, and so um, a big part of the gospel is uh, not only the atonement, the, the resurrection, believing that Christ um, rose again three days later. Um, but not only that, but that he, because he has risen from the dead, he will now come back for his church, the second coming of Christ. A Christian must believe in that, um, that, that we will essentially, after we're long gone. One day Christ will come back for the church and our um, dead bodies, uh, he will raise those uh, dead bodies to life. He'll bring them back together and we um, will, will be living in our resurrected bodies. Okay, you, be, not believing that, rejecting that is contrary to the gospel as well. If you don't believe me, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians as well. Um, I, I think it's 1 Corinthians 15. As well, actually, it's actually later on in this passage that I was just reading. So, believing in the second coming is essential. Um, another thing, also, that um, I wanted to mention is um, Christ being God. Um, if if you do not believe that Christ is God, um, He is the incarnate God that He um, um, has existed from eternity past. Uh, that He is eternal. As John 1, 1 says, that, that Christ was in the beginning, that um, the Word was in the beginning with God, that He is God, um, talking about Christ, that He is the eternal logos. Um, in the Greek, the, the word, word, um, the Greek is it's logos. So that is, is an essential part of being a Christian, is knowing, believing that God uh, sent His Son, Jesus, um, in the form of man, uh, to, to come down uh, to earth so that Jesus was actually God, but he wasn't created that day. And, you know, um, Jesus has existed from eternity past, though, and that's that's the a major point that we have to agree on. Um, if not, you're, you're venturing off into to, or, um, um, to heresy. And so um, there was a... Um, there was a uh, a man named Arius um, that actually um, that actually denied that Christ was God, um, and the early church considered him a heretic pretty fast. So, very bad. Don't be an Arian. Um, I'm sorry, my name. I think his name is Arius. Oh, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not an expert. Um, all of this is just coming, or some of this anyway, um, is coming from just my memory. But um, I would say that um, either way. A man named Arius, I believe that was his name, Arius, he 
um, rejected the deity of Christ, was considered a heretic. Um, and I would, I would um, say that he um, definitely would not fall into Christian orthodoxy. So, um, so with having said all that, um, what about things like uh, what are like? It, it, can someone be a Christian and not believe in inerrancy? Well, I would say if, if you are a Christian and you do not believe in inerrancy, that means that um, essentially you believe that the Bible has errors in it, that there are our errors found in the Bible. The problem with that, though, is how do you know where the errors are? Can you prove that? I mean, you, you kind of almost pick and choose what you 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 know, want to be an error or not. So a lot of people would say if they're like, if they're an, um, they do not believe in inerrancy or agree with it, they would say, you know, the miracles, you know, don't exist, you know, uh, or Jesus did not uh, do miracles or the resurrection is not even, you know, a thing or, you know, um, what have you. There are many different um, views, obviously, within that camp of those that don't believe in inerrancy. Uh, don't agree with inerrancy. So, but I would say that your your theology is going to be very shaky. It's not going to be um, very rooted in anything firm. It's I mean, you can still be a Christian. Um, you can still believe in the gospel and have saving faith. Um, absolutely, um, but you cannot. Um, but you can. Um, I don't think you can um, have a very solid foundation. Um, now, what about the Trinity? That's a good one. Um, uh, personally, if 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 you do not believe in the Trinity. Um, I would also say that that, that would um, essentially put you outside the bounds of Christian orthodoxy. I don't think you can be a Christian because the the Godhead, um, the 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 tripart, the triune uh, Godhead, the hypostatic union, um, that is such an essential part of of Christianity because it is about the very nature of who God is. Um, if you don't believe that. Um, the Holy Spirit exists, or that Jesus is um, not technically in existence right now; that He is in the form of the Holy Spirit. Um, that that's very um, that's very dangerous, uh, very very dangerous. You are essentially um, you are believing something about the very nature of God that um, would would be a big issue. I think um, the early church uh, definitely thought this; that they thought it was a big deal uh, for sure. Um, and so um, I would agree that, that it is a very big deal. The scriptures are pretty clear, I think, about the Trinity. Um, not in, in um, plain language. It doesn't say Trinity, obviously, but it, it definitely spells out the concept of you – can, you can find passages about the Trinity throughout scripture. Um, it just it doesn't say the word. So, and that's okay. We don't need the word Trinity to be in there. We just need the concept of the Trinity to be in there. Um, so that's, that's very important. Uh, what about um, – this is kind of a funny one um, – Kind of funny, but kind of not really funny. Uh, but the the left left behind version of, of the end times. Do you have to believe in the left behind version of the end times to be saved or to be a Christian? I would say no. And um, it's kind of funny because you know uh, I, we kind of laugh about that. You know, like oh, left behind, uh, kind of a yeah, kind of a cool book series or whatever. Uh, a few movies there, kind of cool. Kirk Cameron, the Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage one was pretty bad, but to be honest, but um, you know, uh, that's you know, we kind of laugh about that, about their take on on the end times, um, you know, because I guess some people that that buy into that um, 
that theology. They just, they really are very, they're very confident. Excuse me, they're very confident, I'm sorry. Um, they're very confident about that to the extent that they're like, well, if you don't believe the end times the way we do, then you're going to hell. Well, um, I'm here to tell you that if you don't agree with the left behind version, the end times, and you're okay. You're you're okay. Um, now, do I know what's going to happen in the end times? No way. Like, no one does um, how it's all going to work out. Um, I'd love to know. If someone does know for sure, please let me know, but I doubt it. Um, obviously, none of us know when he's going to come back. A lot of people seem to think, um, for example, okay, I remember Hurricane Harvey came, you know, came through last year, and People were saying, oh, look at this Bible verse. If you coordinate this Bible verse with the dates and times and all that and locations, and oh, it all lines up, you know. And the thing is, is you know, folks, listen, uh, and I don't mean to be um, rude about this or whatever, but look, do not take Scripture and use it for your own interpretation insofar as, um, you know, events, modern events, modern times. Don't do that. That's, that's ripping apart the Word of God and using it just, so uh, flippantly. I mean, it, you're, you're throwing it around like it's a toy, essentially. Um, Well-meaning people say this a lot of times, but look, the, the, the chapters and the verses in our Bibles were not even put in Scripture until, like, the printing press. Okay, so, like, pretty recently. Okay, um, definitely a long time after, like 1,500 years after Jesus walked this earth. Okay, so unless you believe that God inspired the printing press to do that, then, okay, whatever. But that's that's just ridiculous. Um, to be honest, I'm just kind of being honest there on that one. I'm being a little, a little bit of a hot take there. But, you know, my thing is, look, we've we got to be careful with how we treat Scripture. And we've got to be very, very careful. And when we take passages like that and just kind of apply it to whatever we want, that's a problem. That's a problem. So, um about homosexuality, can you can you be a Christian and um, can you be a homosexual? I would say, um, so, and, and I want to define, be very careful about this. Um, I want to define being a homosexual as someone living in homosexual sin. So first off, you have to believe homosexuality. Being um, being a homosexual, living in it, is a sin. Okay, now someone that that obviously does not believe that and that they are a homosexual, they have those desires, that they, they are same-sex attracted, uh, but they act on it, that they live in that sin, they have those relationships. Um, I don't believe that that, that person can be a Christian. Um, and the reason being is I don't believe that Christians can live in any sin, not only homosexual sin, um, engaging in homosexual acts, but also... Um, you know, and you know, all sins. Um, can can you can you be a Christian and lie continuously? No. Can you steal continuously? No. All those things. Um, when you are a believer, you are transformed. You're being sanctified until the end. So, someone that's a, be a believer cannot. I don't believe be living in that sin um, that Christ died for. He died for that sin. He died to set you free. He rose again to set you free from that sin. And this isn't. And I don't. I want to make this clear. I'm. Not, I'm. People that that are either that 
live in that lifestyle of homosexuality, engaging that, they're still human. They're still made in the image of God. And Christians are still called to lovingly help them and encourage them, preach the gospel to them. But at the same time, we are still called to, to answer biblically to these things, to answer honestly. And I don't think, in my humble opinion, that the culture, when they look at Christians, they're, you know, some Christians are jerks. They're rude about their faith and rude about their beliefs. I agree. I absolutely agree. And they treat people badly, including homosexuals. Um, and I think the church needs to do a better job in answering questions like that. But if can you be a Christian and a homosexual, I would say um, the answer is no. So on that on that note, um, the last one, um, can you be a Christian and be a Republican? Um, I would say yes. <laughs> I would say you can. Uh, what about a Democrat? That's probably the question um, I get. I, a lot of, I hear a lot of people ask uh, more. Can you be a Christian and a Democrat? Now, some of the things that the, the Democratic platform stands for, um, I, I can't I can't see how a Christian would stand by that. I, I just don't understand, like abortion, for example. I just I don't get that one. Um, you know, but yeah, like a Democrat or a Republican. I mean, you can be. I mean, either way, you, you could be a Christian and, and and be a Republican or a Democrat. So I mean, right now we have a you know, uh, Senate uh, race going on between Beto and Ted Cruz here, and um, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be pretty close, but um, I, th- I think Cruz will win. Um, but anyway, I, you know, can some do I? You know, can someone vote for Beto and be a Christian? Absolutely. I just don't understand like how you, you could really um, support those policies of abortion. I just don't. I don't get that. But anyway. Um, that's kind of a side note, but yes, if you vote for Beto, you can still be a Christian. I mean, that doesn't uh, change your salvation there or, um, you know, reveal anything about your salvation in, in essence. But anyway, so um, I think we've run out of time. Um, I, I needed to, to wrap this up. Kind of funny story um, before I go. Um, a few days ago, I, I recorded this episode, and then today, I'm, I'm uh, and this is Thursday, so I'm releasing this on Friday um, I guess, uh, October 5th, um, today's October 4th, um, so, like, October 2nd, I recorded it, um, I was gonna edit it today and release it tonight, and, um, so that's released for everyone when they wake up tomorrow, October 5th, and, um, I get to my computer, and it's, uh, and it's deleted or something, I don't know what happened to it, I can't find it, and so I just had to re-record it, so, you will never know how that first episode, uh, the first take of of, that, of this episode was going to come out. You would, you would never know. You will never know. I don't even know how it came out, really. I didn't listen to it. So, Anyway, well, um, thank you all for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. I hope you are able to, um, in, um, to continue to listen to this podcast, cause these conversations. I hope you're uh, able to, to recommend it to other people. You can maybe ra- uh, rate it five stars, four stars. Let's not try to go below four stars. But anyway, um, just, you know, do with, with this podcast what you will. Um, if you desire to continue listening, wonderful. If not, that's okay. Um, you know, if, if you would like to engage in a conversation about this this topic that, I'm, um, that I am um, 
that this pot, this episode consists of, please reach out to me. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram. So just reach out to me. We'd love to to speak with you about it, and um, it'd be it'd be cool to to discuss about this this podcast um, episode. So anyway, thank y'all again for tuning in, and I hope y'all have a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, weekend, whatever it is, and um, I hope uh, Lord blesses you continually, you and your family.